This is The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome to The Verse. Welcome back to The Verse, the podcast that shoots boomerang arrows. This episode continues to cover the holiday escapades of Kate Bishop and Clint Barton on Disney Plus's Hawkeye. You can also expect the latest cinematic universe news, what we're watching, and something new. But before we do, let's meet the team. I'm Norm. I'm Bridget. I'm Lucas. Oh! <laughs> Locked me out. She just totally checked me to the side on this one. Sorry. It's okay. Age before beauty, so I'll go. Aw, look at you. I'm Lucas. <laughs> I'm Bridget. I'm Cronsworth. You're a wanker. And I'm Cronsworth. And I'm Emilia. This is The Verse News, where we bring you the latest in TV, film, pop culture, and superhero news from across the cinematic universes and beyond. Let's see what The Verse Squad has come up with this week. Let's, like, try to keep it light and happy keep this it light. week, because we're getting into the holidays. Well, um, I, have, I have something that I know we haven't talked about yet, uh, okay. and I think this is probably, it's, it's been over a week since this came out. But it's been official that Colby Smulders has been added to Marvel's Secret Invasion. Nice. I love me some Colby Smulders. Yeah. So hopefully she'll be, I mean, I'm assuming she'll be reprising her uh, role as Agent Colson. Oh, my God. Not Agent Colson. Not Agent Phil Colson. She's not Agent Phil Colson, guys. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It's Maria Hill, guys. Whoops. My bad. But I'm excited. I love Colby Smulders. And I feel like she needs to be in more Marvel content on a regular basis. So uh not all the way through. I've definitely Good. seen episodes then you, here and there. You've had but... a better experience than the rest of us. But yes, she was incredible. On <laughs> I that wasn't show. emotionally traumatized by how I met your mother. Is that what you're saying? By the way, that show has not aged well. Try to go back and watch it. You're like, ugh. Like if it yeah, wasn't no. for the fact that Neil Patrick Harris, who's gay, plays like a womanizer, like that still kind of makes it work a little bit. But so much of that show is this trash now, except for Kobe Smulders. She's so yeah. good in that. Also, I got to say, I am absolutely just like so pumped for Secret Invasion because Amelia Clark is going to be in it, who I adore. Uh, from She's in Game of Thrones. I, I think you mean I, th- I think you mean Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark. <laughs> oh, my God. Is she like the bane of your existence? Because that's probably why everybody mispronounces your name. Um. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody has always mispronounced my name that way. Uh, and then now that, but now that she's on the scene, everyone's like, oh, I've seen this name before and I know how it's pronounced. Yeah, I feel confident in this. I believe you mean everybody but me. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure, Cronsworth. Sure, sure. But also, so, so back to the, Oh, my God. Anyways, so back to Secret Invasion. Hashtag not me. Not all robots. Hashtag remove batteries from Cronsworth. So tell us about Secret Invasion. (laughs) Anyways, Secret Invasion. No, I'm just really pumped because I think this is going to be, this is a very star-studded lineup already, Samuel Jackson. And then we've got Olivia Coleman, who's going to be making her MCU debut in the show as well. So I'm just very excited for this Marvel series. I think I'm looking ahead to next year. This is definitely in my top two, I would say, of Marvel content I'm looking forward to besides uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. 
yeah, it was an interesting comic book. So um, I'm curious to see how it will translate into the MCU. I hope it does mm-hmm. well. I really do. Yeah, and I like that it's a lot of new characters or like, you know, C-level characters we're not used to seeing very often. Uh, to me, that's exactly yeah. what I want Marvel to be doing more is exploring more of those characters. If 3D Man does not make an appearance, I will be upset. Also, I just wanted to be proven that Sharon Carter was indeed a scroll in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, Only way that makes that, sense. Yeah. Only way it makes sense. Okay. We'll that's see. all that's we'll all see. I want. That's all I want out of the series. That's all I need. All right. Anybody else? Uh, I have some fun fun news, I think. You <laughs> think? Some, I think as so. As long as it's some... not sad. Lucas is apparently we can't have I any. Could, sad yeah, I just want to keep today. it lighthearted and up, upbeat today. Well, it is not sad, but it does go into some cinematic universes that we don't talk about quite as much because, honestly, not a lot has happened with them lately. But uh, for any Harry Potter fans out here... I saw this one coming. (laughs) (laughs) HBO Max uh, released a trailer about a week ago or earlier this week for their Harry Potter 20th anniversary return to Hogwarts. This is not a new movie which I, I feel like some people were had that misconception it is a retrospective it's going to have a lot of the original cast obviously are are the favorite trio of of harry ron and hermione and there's a, a new photo of them in what we think is probably the gryffindor common room and it looks very exciting i'm actually not really sure what to expect from it like a retrospective i'm guessing there's going to be like behind the scenes footage yeah, um, I hope there's more yeah. stuff than we're expecting. That's what I'm hoping is that they'll find these gems that we were like blindsided by. I'm sure you can expect yeah. a friend type reunion like on HBO Max, but this time set I in Hogwarts. I have no interest in actually watching Hopefully that. Hopefully better. <laughs> you know that there's going to be a segment where they have like a, a tribute to Alan Rickman. So, Yes, it'll yes. be worth it just for that. I just it's... saw that preview the other morning and I am pumped for it. Like, okay. pumped to watch this. I mean, like, I didn't watch the Friends reunion because I'm not a Friends fan. But let me yeah. tell you, I will be tuning in on New Year's Day to watch this. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a good excuse for January us to 1st. watch all of the Harry Potter movies again during the holiday. I yeah, think that's I... probably what I'm most excited for. I'm like, oh, yes, like 14 hours of doing nothing. Wait, so, you're not, so you're not excited for... <laughs> She'll do 14 uh, hours of Harry Lord Potter. Of let's do 14 hours of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Boo. 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 Okay. Come on, guys. Come on. I'm Ew. only just getting into Lord of the Rings. Ooh. This is next year. I won't be doing it. Okay? I haven't made it through Better be January 1st or 2nd. This does not compute. You won't go from a three-hour version of a movie to a four-and-a-half-hour <laughs> okay, version of a movie. Oh, we're talking it, about a three-and-a-half-hour version to a four-hour version, guys. Thank you for the correction, Amelia. Oh, my God. All right. We'll see. Coming year from now. Coming year, year from now. Maybe that should be a New Year's resolution. To uh, sure, willingly sit through all the versions of the director's cuts of The okay. Lord of the Rings. There you go, guys. I find that acceptable. She says this knowing that no one sticks to their New Year's resolution. And to that, I have one thing to say. Boo! Uh, so. My news also jumps to other cinematic universes. One that is The Witcher Season 2 is coming out on December 17th. Whoa. I'm Whoa. very excited Whoa. about this one. I what? wasn't done. I w- oh, I'm sorry. I was, I wasn't we got done. sidetracked by Bridget's Sniping my news. <laughs> no respect. Um, my news was not about The Witcher, and I'm just, just going to barrel right through with Sure, no, go for it. <laughs> the rest <laughs> of mine. We can rewind. Um, I believe that the retrospective is going to notably not include J.K. Rowling, which we don't, we're not going to get into, but it's the right decision. 
Um, and then also there's a new trailer for the Halo series, which I was going to be more excited about. Uh, but I feel like I gleaned nothing from the trailer other than it looks pretty. And they said that there was like a new picture of Pablo Schreiber, Schreiber as uh, Master Chief. And I don't believe them because he's just in What's the Halo the suit. He's just in the Master Chief suit. <laughs> so. Yeah, the Master Chief never removes his helmet, sort of like, you know, the uh, yeah, Mando. like Mandalorian. Dread. So is it, <laughs> like is it Judge really? Dredd, yeah. <laughs> Carl so I'm just like, that could be anyone. I don't know. Yeah. But. As long as they use the music well, I'll be reasonably happy. Um, I like the Halo series, and I'm hoping they do something really cool with it. But you know, again, I've had a similar reaction where I was like, "Okay, that tells me absolutely nothing," but it does look cool. <laughs> but it will be premiering on Paramount Plus sometime next year, so I guess we're looking forward to that. <laughs> All right, to Lucas, you may. Resume. <laughs> oh well, the you know the, the Witcher. I, I think we discussed it on this show a little bit. It's I really enjoyed the first season. It yeah. was a little convoluted and odd because I didn't realize I never read the source material, only played the games. That it was based off a lot of short stories linked together. That's hence that's why I was felt a little disjointed. And this second season is getting a lot of praise, saying they kind of sh- sharpen the focus and it doesn't jump through time and it's a smaller, more intimate story, which I think always lands better. Uh, for you know these TV shows because you get to explore character more, so yeah, I'm excited about it. I love Henry Cavill as the you know. No, he he does great as it, face. and I I did not hate season one because I actually enjoyed the fact that much like with Wandavision, I love it when you don't exactly know what's going on for a while, and they mm-hmm. played that. I thought they played it really well to at the end be like, oh, that was all backstory. Now here we are, and you figure it out around I think. Episode five is when you realize he makes the uh, the bargain for uh, yeah. Obi I kind Cirilla's. of barely remember the story now. It was so convoluted, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Speaking of um, universes that went from books to video games, there is the Last of Us news for the TV oh, yes. series. Uh, Con O'Neill is out as Bill. And instead, Nick Offerman is now stepping in. And I love this because I am a huge Nick Offerman fan. I love Wasn't him. that character pretty much based off of Nick Offerman anyway? I thought like, so, which just made yeah. no sense why they didn't like pull him in to begin with. Probably it was like he wasn't available and now he is or something. I don't know. Yeah. but So for anyone who ha- hasn't been paying attention to this, it's based off the video game that came out um, mid-2000s, whatever. Um, I think it was like, I want to say the first one came out in 2015, but I'm not 100% sure on that. But it has a really good cast. Uh, Pedro Pascal is coming in as Joel, which is a uh, great casting. He's been good in everything he's done recently. Uh, Bella Ramsey as Ellie. You might remember her as Lady Mormont from Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. And she did absolutely fantastic. Um, and she has to play another tough-as-nails kid, so yeah, good choice. So, I mean, that's a perfect choice. She does great yeah. in that that role. And then you have uh, Gabriel Luna and uh, Meryl uh, Dandridge. Um, there's just some some really good actors and actresses here. Um, so I can't I can't wait for this to come out. Same. Did, All right. Does anyone you, else? Bridget or Emily have played Last of Us? Oh, I played. I played a good chunk of it. Um, but I never owned it. It was always at a friend's house. And then mm. I 
uh, found it too. I was gonna say found it too difficult, but mostly I found it too scary. <laughs> no, it's all it's difficult. Like that was one of my the reasons I enjoy it, but also get frustrated is you'll die over and over again. I almost like throw the controller in rage playing that game because you're like, how is? It? And then you'll just luck out one time and get past a, a scene, and you're like, oh, that was just random luck that I got through it. I really want to get anyway. back into it because I I do like that kind of game because the story is fantastic, and I was getting really annoyed by having my my guts spilled by a clicker like every five minutes. <sighs> but... <laughs> so annoying. It's it's so stressful that game, but that's kind of why you it have is... to really enjoy that type of game. It is stressful, but am I the only one that didn't have a problem with that game? Like I breezed through that. Oh well, I oh, went no, from normal no, to easy because I was like, this is going to take me forever, and I don't have no, a lot of time to devote to games. Th- there are certain games where people just like excel at, I guess, and that's one of them. Not I, me. I never, I did not find that that game hard. Uh, oh, look over here, Norm, just slaying zombies. <laughs> there's there's some games where the stealth really works for me, but I think this one was like because you need to rely on a combination of stealth and like very quick reflexes. Uh, it's hard for me to do both of those things at once. <laughs> yeah, you can't melee your way through this one, and that's, no. you know. That's always my default when I can't figure something out is going blasting. <laughs> All right. Has anyone else got any more news? Nope. Mm-mm. All right. Well, then, that was the verse news. So why don't we jump into uh, a recap of what we're covering today, which is Hawkeye episodes three and four. Episode 3 of Hawkeye starts off with a look into our newly introduced villain's past and the challenges Maya faced as a hearing-impaired individual. We witness her trip into overcoming those issues with the help of her loving, crime boss father and her uncle... Wait a minute. Is that Vincent D'Onofrio? Uh, I mean, Kingpin? Uh, it's her uncle. So- sorry. Maya, aka Echo, rises above all her challenges as we see her become a serious MMA threat. Would love to see her versus Batroc slash George St. Pierre. Finally, this trip down memory lane ends with a soul-crushing moment as we see Ronan, Clint's alter ego, kill her father. Back to present-day New York, it's Christmas time in the city. Both Kate Bishop and Clint Barton are tied up and being held hostage by the tracksuit mafia. This is where they are finally introduced to the leader of the tracksuits, Maya, a.k.a. Echo. After Maya and Clint bond over using ASL, American Sign Language, he reveals to her that Ronan is dead. Killed by none other than the Black Widow herself, Natasha Romanoff, a tale Maya doesn't believe. Clint takes a moment of confusion between Maya and her top lieutenant to make the play to escape the former KB Toys hideout. Hasn't that store been gone since, like, the early 2000s? It is a pretty sweet hideout, even equipped with a ball pit and toys galore scattered on the floor. Once free from the clutches of Maya, Clint hotwires a car and the dynamic duo execute a thrilling car chase scene, complete with a plethora of trick arrows, including the granddaddy of them all, the Pym Particle Arrow. The successful escape leads our duo back to the safe house to walk the very good boy who's been cooped up all day. Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? Okay, anyway. Kate translate a <laughs> Kate translates a tear-inducing phone call between Clint and his youngest son, Nathaniel, since Clint's hearing aid was busted during the escape from the tracksuit mafia. We crushed your earpiece, bro! After getting Clint's hearing aid fixed, they head to Kate's mom's place 
Mrs. Bishop, for some info on the tracksuits. After getting Clint's hearing aid fixed, only for Clint to find himself at the edge of his own sword. That wraps episode three. Now on to four. Bro, it's none other than Kate's mom, soon-to-be husband, Jack Duquesne, holding the Ronin sword. I do believe it's Jack Duquesne. Shut up, Cronsworth. Cue a very awkward family meeting as Hawkeye pieces out with a stern reminder from Kate's mom, Eleanor, that Kate is not a superhero. Clint does some investigative work with the help of his wife, Laura, and traces an Avengers Rolex to Maya's apartment. But that doesn't mean there isn't some time for some holiday cheer, as we anxiously watch to see if our boy will get home by Christmas or not. Kate shows up with pizza, pizza dog, sip boy, daiquiris, movies, and some real rookie superhero energy. They plan, they launch coins, and reveal some dark secrets, or at least Clint does. Turns out, he's the Ronin. Wow. We were all so, so surprised. The next day, it's time for action. Kate goes to our favorite NYC LARPers for help retrieving Hawkeye's trick arrows, while Clint resorts to some good old threatening to get more info on Echo. They meet up later to retrieve the Rolex and demonstrate two very different, but equally effective means of breaking and entering. Naturally, they set off all the alarms, and Kate gets into a fight with Echo, while Clint battles a masked assailant who turns out to be... Yelena, master of classy escapes, and the new Black Widow, who seems hell-bent on revenge. So, let's discuss what everyone's initial reactions were to the episode. So, what did you think about episodes three and four of Hawkeye? This, I, it may, maybe it's just because it's a time of year. This is just hitting right for me. I, I, mm-hmm. I really can't describe it other than that. Like, it, the holiday vibe with this Marvel show is just... it's. It's what I need right now. It really is what I need. It, it feels, it's fun. It, it's it's got that that Christmas. Uh, oh, is he gonna make it home in time for Christmas? Like planes, trains, and automobiles. But like you know, you know, mafiosos and uh, and and wild arrows flying. It's the classic Christmas conundrum dropped in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is mm-hmm. obviously not territory we have discovered or explored yet. So it's fun. You're right, Norm. It's totally fun. But also, I, I mean, oh God, I mean, they're just dropping so many like Marvel tropes and gems. And I know we'll go over all the Easter eggs later, but I just like something. I, that's what I love about Marvel is how they're able to incorporate so much of other Marvel material, like as they're continuing continuing to move forward, yet bringing in stuff from the past. I just love that. And I think this show is doing it just on an excellent level and I love it. I love it. Yeah. I'll say that the, uh, if you remember our conversation on the previous episode, I was like, I'm going to withhold fully giving my support until I see probably episode three and four, which we just saw. And uh, it's now doing exactly what I was hoping it would do. It's fun. It's lively. It's got some real heart to it, but they they don't, uh, you know, shirk the comedy. I mean, there's a lot of really wonderful little comedic moments between, you know, Clint and uh, Kate and just all the other the supporting cast is like really enjoyable to watch. I mean, I love Jack Duquesne. Every time he's in a scene, I'm cracking up. So, yeah, I, I've just really so far I've been really surprised and, and happy with how they've you know, the direction they've gone. I do think this is 
I, I'm enjoying this more than I did Falcon and the Winter Soldier at this point. I'm enjoying it maybe more than I did Loki, which is surprising to me. So I, yeah, this is 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 hitting for I me. Agreed. Well. I am Agre- def- agreed and agreed. I am definitely enjoying this more than Loki. That is for sure. Mm-hmm. I will say that Norm, I know, has this rule of three. Like if the first three episodes don't really hit, you know, you kind of drop the show. And I feel, knock on wood, there's two episodes left. But this has continued to mean this like very high level of like it's got my attention throughout the whole episode. It's only 40 minutes. But I felt like after the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and th- same thing with Loki ap- ap- after episode two or three, it kind of just lost my attention. I wasn't as excited about it while watching it. Uh, and so by the end, I was like, eh, like, OK, it was like a good series, but it didn't like, you know, go mind blown or wow that was awesome kind of like wandavision did for me this is just like top notch like all the way through like and the plot keeps thickening like there hasn't been this drop off yet of like oh we kind of can see where the direction of the show is going I, I like i don't know i have no idea which is a little weird now that we're getting into the last two episodes that we haven't like mm-hmm. gotten to that the 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 roller coaster drop so it's mm-hmm. gonna happen in the next one Right, because you know, so. you know what I'm saying. Like, usually the drop is already like comes like end of episode three, episode four, and then episode five and six are kind of like you know the recovery. Like, how are we gonna, how is this gonna transition to the the next piece of Marvel? Well, I think they have the puzzle pieces now all on the board, which is the introduction of Yelena. I think was that final one, and what they did on episode three, which made me very happy, is they spent a lot of time devoted to Echo. So if you're going to have a quote-unquote like a villain, so she's set up kind of as the villain in this, they made her completely sympathetic. So like as much as we don't really agree with her, maybe her, what she's trying to do because we want to root for Clint, I'm like, no, I'm kind of on Team Echo at this point. Like I want to see what happens with her character because they made her very sympathetic and they gave her, they fleshed her out a lot. And that's something that, you know, Marvel is a little guilty of doing at times, which is they just have these you know, mustache twirling villains that you don't really get too deep of a, a character, which, listen, in the movies, that's kind of true. I, the, don't take it from the comic books. The comic books typically do a much better job of that. So no, I'm, I was, you know, I was happy to see that. I, I, I actually disagree with you. I thought Thanos wasn't mustache twirling at but all. We did, I didn't Killmonger. know anything about him. Where, where did he come from? Actually, you're right. Killmonger was good. You definitely, that, that to me felt very out of place because I was not used to it. Normally it's what? like, I'm a killer robot. I've got to right. destroy you. Ooh, I like the sound of that. <laughs> oh, you're right. Of course, you're okay. KW I, loves I, that. I, I actually think Marvel uh, does a better job than what DC has been doing in flushing out their villains more and being like, look, this is a morally gray area that we're going to. Like, yeah, like, Shang-Chi they're, did a, they're wrong, a great but job of that. Yeah. You can see why. Mm-hmm. All right. Not everyone does, but you're right. That was those were good ones. I'm just I think back on like Black Widow and I'm like, I didn't care about yeah, it. the no, villains no. were milk toast. A lot of the ones they do that I think they have these like stock villains they put in. Iron Man had that constantly. Oh, like, no, Iron was... Man's. It's definitely been like an evolution over time. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that was my favorite part of this of these two episodes as well is the setup that they're doing for the villain, perhaps multiple villains. Um, yeah. Because they're setting up, they're clearly setting up Echo to be like the big bad. But I think it's obvious to us that maybe this is a prediction, but I don't think Echo is the big bad of this series or or is not like the main piece of it, at least. Because Maya seems to have, I don't know exactly like what her mission is, but there seems to be 
something noble to it. Well, it seems it seems retribution, revenge um, for her the murder, Ronan murdering her father. Mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying this feeling of a spider web with Clint and Kate stuck in the middle as danger approaches from all sides. On one side, you have Echo. On the other, Yelena. And still, I have this feeling there's a big bad coming in who we've yet to meet. I feel like they're in deep trouble. Mm-hmm. You can feel it. <laughs> I can't wait to watch them fight their way out of it, or better yet, die trying. There definitely is another big bad, and um, we made I made this prediction on the last episode where I said, hey, I'm pretty sure that at some point um, Vincent D'Onofrio's kingpin will be showing up, and you get that weird giant hand come on mm-hmm. uh, Maya's shoulder with like that little like D'Onofrio laugh that he had for Kingpin. So I I if, really hope he's the big bad. If he doesn't now. end up at the end of this, I will be shocked. I feel like I must say it again, so I will. If you enjoy any Marvel show, especially this one, I recommend you go back and watch Daredevil on Netflix. If in the coming episodes we do see Vincent D'Onofrio, aka Kingpin, you're going to be racing to watch the series. So just do it now and get it over with and enjoy. Ronsworth really has a thing for, for Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For a good reason. It, it's actually a, all three seasons of that were tight. Do you see? Even Norm gets it. Very good. Um, both seasons of The Punisher were good, but, you know, we're not talking about those. Well, okay. Much. So actually, I'm glad we did bring up Daredevil because I'm guilty as charged. I have not seen Daredevil yet. Shame. But from what I understand about the way that his like powers are set up with him being blind and now we have not a counterpart exactly but we have another character here maya who is deaf and clint who is hard of hearing the way that they're the way that these conditions are portrayed seem a lot more like realistic in a way like everything that maya achieves seems achievable like she's obviously a incredibly remarkable individual very talented and skilled person as is clint i mean clint and his arrows are kind of unrealistic but the point is like they get around um what could be a disability in a in such a way that it's no longer one um whereas from what i've heard of daredevil it kind of seems like his quote-unquote disability just becomes a superpower (laughs) not to ruin anything but like the accident that blinds him also heightens all of his other senses to an abnormal level so that and he learns to hone them so that it's like having echolocation, stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah it, it is, but not the same. I've got a brilliant idea. Go ahead and watch Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> it is worth watching. It is very much yeah. worth watching. Yes. Um, so why don't we transition into some of our favorite moments uh, from the last two episodes? Oh, I want to call out uh, definitely like the opening um, – I think at the opening of episode three with Maya's backstory, like that whole sequence was great. And I really, really love the actor that plays her father. Yeah. He's um, from Dr. Sleep, if you ever, that's the only thing I could think of him from, but he's probably. Zahn McLarnan. Yes. I know yes. him from season two of Westworld, which is season two was not my favorite season of Westworld, but it did contain my favorite episode, which starred him. Mm. Um, the episode, I, it was his whole story. It was fantastic. You can find him on FX's Fargo as well. Oh, what season was he in Fargo? You can find him on season two, the season with Jesse Plemons and Kirsten oh, Dunst. I loved Fargo is such a great show. And yes, I, that's where he's from. Okay. It's been a while since I watched that. Jesse Plemons, another great actor. But... <laughs> 
um, that whole episode that was all about his story and um, it was heartbreaking, honestly. I'm not going to, I don't want to reveal anything about it because I think it's best to go in blind for that particular episode. And, and that show also was like riddled with spoilers. So <laughs> I won't even go there. No, that, I, that for me, I think was my, f- it was surprising and I was really happy to see it. And it was not long. I think it was only like the first part of the episode, but it really, they put a lot of storytelling into a short amount of time and you really felt like now you kind of understood her character and her motivations. Yeah. And it also was the thing that Emily and I were talking about. Like, I don't think I can just quickly forgive Clint for just murdering people. Even if they were not good people, you can't just go in and murder people. And then they really spent time to, to discuss the repercussions of that. And that's the reason it's weighing so heavy on Clint is he has all this guilt, which, you know, we're talking about, you know, survivor's guilt as well as, you know, people who've been in war. Like it's, it's not just like, you know, you get back and your friends are, are gone. It's also the fact that you do horrible things, you know, mm-hmm. in service of a country or whatever. And so they're tapping into a lot of these really, you know, mature themes that are really great for Clint's character and you know again like I said like they do the drama really well and then they balance it out with some great humor to make sure you're not like leaving the episode in tears yeah I think like the character of Echo I mean she's got a phenomenal backstory so far and she had a great setup but like what Clint was saying in this past episode like her like thirst for revenge is like essentially gonna get herself killed and mm-hmm. it reminded me of you know, like Carly Morgenthal from the Flag Smashers. So there like, came a point where she's like, I don't care what it takes. Like, even if it takes my life, like, we're going to get, like, this message across that what they were doing is not okay. Um, but I don't I don't know. I don't see her being, like, murderous, though, Echo. Like, I don't, I don't well, know. She, I, I, the question cause I feel like Because is... I feel like Clint was the murderer, like, as Ronan. He was the bad guy who was going around ruthlessly murdering everyone. And that's... She, Come on, he was. No, no, he was. no, no, no. The, the only reason why the only reason why she's sympathetic is because, and this is what I believe, she did not know her father was in a mafia killing people, killing people, and like you gotta remember, people. these were horrible people. And did they deserve to die? Yes. Yes. <laughs> did they? All right, did Mr. It, Punisher. <laughs> did it deserve to be extradition uh, yes. kill, killing? Yes. No, not at all. No. But they deserved to go down. <laughs> Stay Join away, Cronsworth. No, no, no. We are not the same. <laughs> no, well, well. hey, as Gandalf would say, I'm about to horribly misquote this, can you give life? <laughs> yeah, can you birth a child, Norm? <laughs> I mean, I haven't birthed a child, but I do have two. So doesn't I, that doesn't really count. That's an assist. He had a good assist. <laughs> that way, that's not the point I was trying to make. <laughs> no, I know what you, I know what you mean. I know the quote well. Uh, but the, there's the side of this is there are people who need to be spared and there are people who need to be stopped. I'm not saying that they deserve to be extrajudicially killed the way Clint did. I'm saying they should have been brought into justice. They should have went through the court system and they should have been found guilty and put to death. Ooh, that's yeah, a hard left That's, that's <laughs> yeah. where I'm going. These are not good. Know, they're, they're not good people, and you can't just sit there and say like, okay, well, especially look, especially in the Marvel universe, and this is an abstraction a little bit because yeah. you know that in comic books and in all these series, anybody who goes to jail ends up getting out of jail and doing the same exact thing again. Again, that's an abstraction for this universe that I'm talking about. So yeah, yeah. put them down. Well, I'll <laughs> say that uh, I like that they 
are are going to play with this in the show because I, I have a feeling we're gonna re- they're going to reveal a little bit about her who her father actually was right um, and if they don't it would kind of be a missed opportunity I think just to show that that perspective uh, anyway that's maybe I should have saved that for the theories and Easter eggs but. Well. Um, but that's, that's what okay. I like about this show so far is they're dealing with heavy subjects, but it, and, and it feels heavy, but at the same time, they don't get dark because yeah. it's the season of giving and perpetual hope. So I like that it has a good tone in this show that puts me in a good mood. And I will say my, my actually my favorite moment in, in episode three for sure is the car chase scene with all the trick arrows. Ending, love the trick arrows. ending with the pim arrow through the bridge. Okay. I loved it. I have to say, watching that with my sister, when that pim arrow came out, her and I like both like just catapulted off the couch and were like, "This is amazing!" Because that was like <laughs> such a good little like nugget to put in the show. And I mean, we love Ant Man. Ant Man is awesome, and obviously, Ant Man has a much larger role continuing into this next part of the MCU. So does Hank Pym, setting up you know Ant Man Quantum Mania. But that was awesome. I think, though, that car chase scene, that whole action sequence is, like, I would have to say, that's, like, in my top couple favorite really action fun. sequences in Marvel, I think. That was very well executed, and it was fun. And Clint not being able to hear was yeah, just that, so funny. Like, that was really hysterical. Good yeah. yeah, and it was just a very cool action sequence. And I and I can't think of many car chase sequences that I really liked besides Nick Fury when they were trying to assassinate him that, in, in uh, well, Captain, Captain America. Captain America. That's great. Yeah. What what about the car chase scene in Shang-Chi where it was the car versus oh, the woods? Yeah. <laughs> come yeah. on, that was great. <laughs> oh, come on. No, no, yeah, no. That is oh, I loved it. Is, but like, you know, like the bus scene, scene, like the bus scene in yes, Shang-Chi. Yes, it as a car chase scene. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but I'm saying that, I mean, that's brand new though. And then you have this in Hawkeye. Like those two scenes easily... Like in my top handful of favorite action sequences in Marvel, like and I mean, like those are back to back, like those we just saw in the past month. So I mean, they were awesome. Hey, props to Marvel, props to them. They were great scenes. Yeah. And uh, the afterwards, where they're on the subway, <laughs> <laughs> he's like yeah, with the. We should probably the let the dog out. Broken. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, that's what I mean. The humor is just up really all day. Was this. Yeah. And I was worried about it. I'm sure Bridget was freaking out about it. Um, no, but the dog. The dog. Like, Where's the dog? What about the dog? <laughs> um, no, but the so those that was probably my favorite scenes as well. The the car chase. Uh, listen, I y- y'all are in New York, or most of you are in New York. New York during Christmas time is like the thing I miss most about not being in New York City anymore. So being able to see New York City, be on the Brooklyn Bridge, it just, and be on the subway, it just made me really nostalgic and miss New York. So I will say one of my favorite moments, though, before we move to like you know Easter eggs and whatnot, was in this last episode where like Kate goes gets the park reenactors help, and the one the one police officer comes back and she put like Clint's arrows in a bag, and he goes to take the bag from her, and she's like. You didn't bring your own bag. This is this is my bag. Oh, like yeah. my, my wife that, had my name engraved on the bag. You just can't bag's take going the down. bag. I know. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Because if that were me, I'd be like, yeah, don't take. No, there's no you way you're taking that bag. You're not taking my me. bag. I'll get you another bag. There's got to be like a plastic bag in the house that we can yeah. just put them in. No, well, there's no plastic. There's no so. plastic in New York. Right. Come on, Lucas. Yes. Fine. But everybody has a million totes now. Yes. Because they keep forgetting their That's their bags I mean. and then they yeah. have to buy new ones at the grocery store. Pretty much. And I'm That's not me speaking every from weekend. personal experience. No. <laughs> I have so many, so many totes in the back of my car. It's not even funny. Like, 
not every other week. I, I, I'm like 50-50 with going to the grocery store. But anyways, that's my problem. That's my prerogative. And, not, and not anything to do with Hawkeye. <laughs> another thing I, I really enjoyed uh, about episode four, one of my favorite moments in, in that particular episode was Kate trying to bring the holidays to Clint, trying to cheer mm-hmm. him up, knowing that this, what she did is impacting his life and she's trying to make amends as best as she can. She doesn't know any better. I mean, she's young. You don't know how to try and get someone out of a, a, a little bit of a hole that they're in. So I thought that scene and them bonding and him opening up to her, I thought that was, I thought that was good. And part of the holiday, like typical holiday movie where you have to have that person open up. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, it was beautiful. I love the snapping of the, uh, of the, the coin, top, the bottle tops or the coins. Yeah. That's like, that's totally something I could see do, like hanging out and doing on the holiday time. Just like trying to nail stuff on the windowsill or whatever. Like, that was a cute yeah. little scene. And it shows like their abilities, how not only is he exceptionally good with his skills somehow, uh, but she also is learning to be like mm-hmm. as good of a shot as he is. Also the daiquiris, oh, man. And the boomerang. No, and, those and boomerang really arrow, which is, oh, we'll save it for the Easter eggs, yeah. but the boomerang arrow conversation was hilarious and I appreciated that. Well then, should we move on then to our reactions, theories, and Easter eggs? We've got company. Incoming! Someone sound the alarm! You're crossing the spoiler territory and under attack! Once you hear these, you will be unable to unhear them. Listen up, soldier! I said listen up! If you have not watched these episodes, I recommend you take cover. We're getting some serious stuff. Take cover! What are you still doing here? That's an order! I love the smell of Easter eggs in the morning. Real real quick Easter eggs. Easy ones right off the top of the... Um, Echo, we finally learn... You know, we, we get a little bit more about her. One thing that they don't talk about in the comics. Hawkeye slash Clint Barton was not the first Ronin. The first Ronin was Echo. Oh, in the comics. In the comics, oh, Ronin, was like, Echo was Echo was called Ronin first. Then she drops the moniker and go, then goes by Echo. Gasp. Mm, okay. And in the comic book, she is the stepdaughter of Kingpin. I think I mentioned this last time, but I wanted to nail it home this time again. And we get that little shot of what I'm hoping and praying is D'Onofrio. Um, the car chase scene is straight from the comic books, with the only exception of. Mm-hmm. Kate's driving and Clint's firing the arrows. This time they just switch it. Uh, in the diner, that's a cool. That's a cool change. I like that. Yeah, it, it made sense for the TV show. It, yeah. it really did, and they played it really well. Um, in the diner, Kate draws Hawkeye an outfit, which is an uh, a mm-hmm. facsimile of his OG um, costume from the comic books with the big H. And I mask. love how they make it look so bad. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't Purple. great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like Haley Steinfeld plays a surprisingly sympathetic rich girl. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. She's, she's not I mean, just like annoyingly good at everything. She's only really good at the things that she's supposed to be really good at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's bumbling in so many ways, but also like it's good comic relief. I mean, she plays the comic relief character, and she's cracking me up the whole time. Yeah, it's great that like the main hero or like the soon to be hero, I guess, is. Is the comic relief? I don't know that that happens. Yeah, yet. that's odd. It's it's not what I expected for sure. Um, you know, we we talked about the car chase scene being from the comics and having a twist. Um, just mm-hmm. that that little um flop be, uh, switch between the two. 
The boomerang arrows that Lucas was mm-hmm. talking about a little bit yep. ago is straight from the comics too, and there's a twist there as well. Hawkeye likes them. Yeah. It makes sense when you read the comic panels of why, but anyway, because he's just goofy. He's, it's a, he's a different character in the comic books. He he's is. He's not nearly as like sad and depressed. Um, we, we hear it. Um, Jack Duquesne, or Duquesne, is it, Cronsworth? Um, (laughs) uh, he calls Clint Archer oh you're the Archer well um, this episode uh, episode 4 actually goes into showing you that he's uh, actually just a great marksman because he starts taking the coin and flipping it back and showing her how to do Mm -hmm. things and we're finally getting into more of the comic book version of Clint where it's not about bow and arrows it's about hey I am a great marksman I can you give me anything, and I'm going to turn it into a deadly weapon, much like Bullseye would on the, the bad guy's side of Marvel. So I thought that was fun to finally see a little bit of that. Uh, Bridget brought I'm up... Not, um, okay, go I'm ahead. Not, sorry, this coin thing I'm not convinced could actually knock someone out. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm that, not. Oh, you know that's coming up later. You know kids yeah. going to use that and I, be like... Yeah, I know, but it's it. like... Because I just Maybe feel like, like a silver dollar. It's got to have have enough heft. like weight to it yeah. and force. I mean, F equals M A. Everyone, F equals M A. Because isn't it like a myth that if you even if you like drop a penny off the, like the it's Empire State Building, it does not actually it couldn't actually kill someone. I mean, it'll hit terminal velocity. It'll go as fast as it will, but it's still like just a penny, so it could hurt. Like a it, it, would, it would hurt, but I don't think it would. The trick is aiming for their throat. Yeah, sure, but like even if you even if you flicked that right in like right and you hit him in the throat, I think they would just be like. <laughs> How? I thought the idea was to lodge it in their throat, so they chunk at it. These are like bad guys, you know. These are these are henchmen. I think this is one of the only times that they've defied the laws of physics in this Marvel show. Speaking of physics, let's get back to that penny. I say we go to the Empire State Building and test out that theory. <laughs> I've got a roll of pennies. <laughs> Just you can't drop the whole roll of pennies, K Dubs. Who sets these in name? Gets arrested. Gets arrested on top of the Empire State Building. Arrested? Arrested for what? Science? So can I use a bag of pennies? Or maybe a job? <laughs> How about a whole piggy bank full of pennies? <laughs> no, it has to be one at a time there, buddy. Um Bridget brought up and I'm uh, I had to stifle myself from saying anything. Uh Bridget, what was the name on that bag again? The Bag of Arrows. Oh, I didn't see it. I don't remember. It was Bombshell, who is oh, a Haw- Bombshell, who oh. is a Hawkeye villain from the comic books. Oh, oh seriously? Look at that. Yeah. I did not oh even God. notice that. Shucks. And one of the other uh, NYC LARPers is named uh, Orville or Orval, something like that. I, I, I can't remember. Um, Marvel. Marvel. Not Marvel. Um, <laughs> Marvel. Marvel. But that could be a reference to another marksman in the uh marvel universe named orville brock aka oddball so are you saying this bombshell person are you saying that this is also going to be her origin story she does not get the bag back (laughs) and that's when she becomes the villain quite possibly i think that's hysterical that would be very funny i mean so so i have a feeling we're gonna get more hawkeye after this series completes itself, 
obviously with you know Haley as the new Hawkeye, but does that mean we're we're gonna not have Clint anymore? That's the question. Uh, I, I, I guess I, we're gonna see by the end I of this. I'm gonna be okay series. with that because he's he like really just wants to hang out with his family. He just wants to yeah. He wants to watch Christmas movies. It would be refreshing and a change of pace if finally one of our main Avengers could actually just get a solid retirement. Just retirement. Just yeah. retirement. Because <laughs> yeah. techni- we saw Bruce Banner at the end of Shang-Chi, so we know that he's still going to be involved and still actively doing stuff. And I'm, I know so my dad's a, a scientist. I can tell you they're going to work till they die. Right. It's, it's just, just how it's going to work. Hank Pym is still going hard at it. Like, it's just what happens. But it would be very nice. I mean, obviously, you know, like Thor's never going to die. And... You know, well, everyone else just is doing their own thing. Natasha's gone. Iron Man's gone. It would just be really nice if he could just get a retirement. No one else has one. No one else has been given one. I, I'm yeah. all for this. I'm all for I think Laura deserves it. I think Nathaniel deserves it. And also, whatever the heck his other kids are named. Laura is a boss. <laughs> and I am so excited that we're actually getting to see, like, the dynamic of their marriage. Like, she's yeah. actually in the know on everything. Yeah, she needs some more... Screen well, time. As Nate put it in the Spider-Man Homecoming, she's like she's Clint's computer guy. Like you need a guy sitting behind the computer, like talking mm-hmm. in your ear. Like that's guy her and Clint. And you also ops, she just like pulled ops. whipped out another language when they were like chatting on the phone, like in mm-hmm. the last episode, like being super incognito. I'm like, I mean, she obviously worked for the CIA or something. Yeah, she but like, definitely her, her a, kids a are making Christmas cookies behind her, and she's like, here are the coordinates, and then starts speaking an alternative language, and it's just, it's so cool. It's really cool to see that, because that's that's a dynamic that we have not seen oh, there, in MCU. There's a reason why Fury kept uh, all this off the books for Quint, and I don't mm-hmm. know if we'll get into it here, but there's people are going to start wondering. Well, can we transition into theories of what we think is going to happen then? Yeah. Unless totally. we have more Easter eggs. Did you? Uh, did we miss some? Um, I mean, the not so much an Easter – I guess it's an Easter egg. Uh, Kate falling off the roof at the very end of episode four yeah. was very reminiscent of Natasha um, going down in Vormir. Did you guys hear the music playing when Clint yeah. tipped uh, his yeah. head over the side of the building? It was the same theme. I was like, chills, 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 chills. That was, you know, I have to admit, I I was a little like, di- not to say disappointed, but when you Yale- the reveal of Yelena wasn't as like, you know, as crazy as I thought it was going to be, because mostly because I was like, oh, that's Yelena, <laughs> like I, well, the, the minute, I knew it was going to be her. The minute she used the stingers on on Echo, I was like, yep. I loved Clint's like, face. Yeah, yeah, Clint, Clint knew immediately. Like, he was like, yeah. what? Crap. Like the, just the reveal of it being her kind of felt like you know a little did less about... dramatic than i was expecting but anyway that's kind of a nitpick yeah. i mean did he know about yelena by now i mean he knows so he, he was just he knows that the black widows are a thing but he does, i don't think he knows individuals besides uh natasha yeah, but he doesn't does he know the whole family relationship thing with natasha does he know anything about that like the sister parent like, i don't think deal? natasha told anybody yeah, about I don't think... her backstory yeah if you watched Black Widow and you saw the end credit scenes, then you knew this was coming. Yeah. Well, we knew oh, this yeah, was coming, but still, I... She's also in the cast list, so it was like, if you're on IMDb, you're like, oh, look at that. I was actually surprised it took so long to introduce her until Me too. the end of four. Me too. Which was... That's what I mean. The pieces are in place now, and so I should just... That's what I mean. That's a nitpick. Like, I was expecting it to be more surprising instead of like, oh, there she is, finally. I think it was a good move to have them wait to introduce her. This way, the series could focus on Kate and Clint. Yes. 
we were able to explore their relationship yeah. rather than just having it be a show about them as a villain. So I have, I do have a theory a little bit. Um, so I think I, I said this in the last episode. How okay. I think Eleanor, Eleanor is going to turn out to be, actually be the big bad. I think she's going to mm-hmm. have turned out to have killed her first husband uh, in in the, when the Avengers attack. Like she actually was just going downstairs to uh, kill him, and then it, it was a convenient cover up. Um, but I still think that's going to be true. But the way the, my problem is now. So in this last episode, we saw like Eleanor dancing um, with. Uh, her Jack there and uh, Haley Steinfeld was just like sitting there watching and she was like oh look how happy my mom is and then all of a sudden she goes and sees Clint and Clint's like no like he's really a bad guy your mom's a fiance we gotta take him out and I like I don't know I just kind of see like her like being hesitant on that now a little bit but I don't know I still think her mother's gonna turn out to be the biggest bad in this series yeah when, but they're gonna save it they're gonna save it till the very end i really when, think it's gonna come out in like the last minute of episode six yeah when you and lucas uh proposed this last episode where you guys uh started uh working off of each other on this i was totally into it i don't know if she killed her first husband i'm gonna uh, that's the one part of it i don't believe i do believe she's the big bad i do believe she killed armand the third was it yeah, mm-hmm. the third mm-hmm. uh I'm totally on board with that, her being the big bad. I think Jack is being set up to be a false flag by her. She's going to pin yes. everything on him. Yeah, and that's what I think he's going to see. I think they're going to take Jack down, but accuse him wrongfully of doing something. And then she'll become in Jack, she'll be in Jack's position then. Yes. Um, in that position of power, the CEO of the Shell Company for, for the tracksuits. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Is she going to be Kingpin's wife? No. Uh, and I say this only because <laughs> Vanessa exists in the Daredevil uh, uh, show. So I don't think they'll – if D'Onofrio – if they bring D'Onofrio in like they're bringing Charlie Cox in, then there's no question that it would they'd have to use everyone from that universe, I would mm-hmm. hope. Mm-hmm. Which means mm-hmm. more Rosario Dawson, which yes, please. Yes, absolutely down for that. But yeah, I don't know. Other theory, I think that's like my main theory. I think that Eleanor's going to turn out to be the main villain here. Uh, I mean, obviously, Echo, she's got her whole own series that's going to be coming out. So I don't think we're going to see too, too much happen with her in the next two episodes, except maybe a little more character development. And then here's a, here's my theory. I see a Florence Pugh, Jeremy, uh, Clint Barton, Florence Pugh. Well, no, no, I no, keep no. mixing up their regular names, but. I, I think Elena and uh, and Kate are going to be a team up in the future. That's my that. theory. Oh my god, I would love the, that team the, up. The amount of humor that would be generated between the two of them, I'm like, I, I'm like, I think that's a wonderful mixture, and that's what I think they're going to end up doing. Is that you know in future, well, probably not in this show, maybe in like a scene or two in this show, but like after the show wraps up, those are two characters that are going to be in something together or at least teamed up together at some point is my theory. I just really hope though, that when they meet each other, there's like an immediate, like they become friends and not competitors because I feel like that dynamic is very played out. Yeah. Like, I don't think women Elena always have to compete. Feel like, like she'd be any competition <laughs> for her anyway. I, I think if, if that would be the case, Yelena would treat her like uh why am I babysitting this one? Like a, like a big yeah. sister, like, like what, big sister. Her, what yeah. Natasha and her kind of exactly. work, but like, I would see it more like that. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I I don't see the series ending that way. I see the series ending with Yelena storming back to uh, uh, Countess de la Fontana, don't call me Val, um, and being like, you lied to me, Clint, Clint Barton did not kill Natasha Romanoff. I think that's how mm-hmm. it's going to end for her. And mm-hmm. again, oh, I have a yeah. My yes. uh, my prediction from last one, um, counting is coming true because that was D'Onofrio, and I'm still hell bent on seeing him actually by the end of the this series. I have a very very dark prediction that I don't think is going to happen because this is a Christmas series. <laughs> Yelena kills Clint, <laughs> then discovers the truth. Clint. Makes it back for Christmas in a body bag. Oh my god! So Oof, if they actually dark. kill Clint, I don't. Think <laughs> yeah, that I can would be really that. mean. Be... I don't think I can handle Clint dying in this series. I don't think he should die. He, he should die a happy old man on his little farm. <laughs> like he deserves that. And after she's visited by three ghosts. <laughs> oh my god! Would that would that be uh, Tony Stark, uh, Captain America, Natasha, and who would be? Well, technically, Wait, Captain, America's America's Captain America. He's just Captain America's on the moon. He's on the moon, man. <laughs> they keep saying he's dead. Who knows? Uh, whatever. Any more theories? I don't think so. Well, All Echo's right. not oh. going to become... The, I wonder what's going to... Because I wonder what the series Echo is going to be about. Like, oh. Presumably, it's going to be a sequel, right? And so they're not going to be a big bad. They're going to be like maybe reformed not reformed exactly but just sort of like see the light i would assume uh if if they go off what the comic books do she would probably go on to seek enlightenment about her father and uh what but in the comic books it would have been about kingpin not uh not her tracksuit mafia dad and that takes her to the hand which is an organization of um criminals mostly ninjas in the Marvel universe that exists, and she becomes she becomes a bad, an even worse bad guy before eventually becoming an anti-hero. Yeah, and the hand is featured prominently in Daredevil, so you should definitely watch Daredevil. Yes, Cronsworth <laughs> is right. Watch Daredevil, please. <clears throat> yes, we know. No, no, no. Okay. Just this well, one I time. would love to see that, and I didn't know anything about Echo before, so. Uh, I'm glad to now get to be excited about it. It's cool. The story of the actress, how she was like really unknown and didn't really act in anything before this. And now she's getting her own Marvel show is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Is this actress actually deaf or hard of hearing? Mm -hmm. And she has has uh, a prosthetic leg. A prosthetic leg. That's cool. Uh, Apparently. I just like that she came out of nowhere and is giving this huge opportunity and she seems to be carrying it really well. uh, Apparently Jeremy Renner uh, was big on trying to get someone who actually um, had to face these adversities to really bring the character to life. So, yeah. Well, that makes sense. It's awesome. That's what it is. Well, guys, I think it might be time to wrap up. Next episode, we will cover Spider-Man No Way Home is going to be a web slinging good time. Plus, in the coming weeks, we have a lot planned for the verse, including some year-end fun. And maybe we can finally get to that something new segment. Bridget, can you tell everyone where to follow us? Of course. So to stay up to date with us, reach out to us on Twitter at TheVerseCast. And since you really do not want to miss a single episode, make sure to subscribe to The Verse wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Oh, yes! Yes! Tis the season of giving, 
So be sure to share the gift of the verse with a friend. Send them the link right now and they'll be glad you did. And as we say goodbye, let's tell everyone what we're watching. Well, first you can follow me. You can follow me, Bridget Brogan, at Bridget Brogan 16 on Instagram and Twitter. And I just finished watching season two of Ted Lasso. Wow. Mm. What? I like zipped through that show like it was my absolute job to watch it. And you just reminded me I did not finish the season. Because <gasps> they were releasing it every week and then I forgot. Yes. I got too busy with there's just too much. I'm, I got to tell anyway. you, I TV for me has been amazing the past couple months because I, I watched The Morning Show and then I watched Ted Lasso. They're both on Apple TV and best time ever watching two seasons of each of those shows amazing some of the best television i have seen in years this incredible you gotta be able to, to binge it all at once though this is why the whole weekly release <laughs> just doesn't no no but i schedule. waited but that's what i did i waited until season smart. two came smart. out for both of those shows so i could just zip yeah. right through them <gasps> lucas amazing. again preaching amazing. to why uh why the the binging needs to happen for him yeah for some of us anyway but you get you so you really enjoyed the ending of Ted Lasso two season two. I need to go watch is what you're oh, saying. Amazing! Okay. It was it's just an amazing feel good show, and honestly, a really great show to watch around this time of year. It again, okay. it's awesome. Well, you can follow me, uh, Lucas Longacre at Luconian Logic on Instagram and Twitter, and I'm actually trying to finish up Foundation right now, which I, I feel so on the fence about because. Everything they completely made up and deviated from the original source material is incredible. Like, it's one of the most gorgeous shows, of a sci-fi show I've ever seen. Like, the production value is insane. And the whole storyline with Empire and Lee Pace is riveting, and, and I, I just, I'm so captivated by it. And then the stuff that's actually about the foundation is such a slog. Like, it's annoying me. I don't like the performers in it. I don't like a lot of the actors they cast. They just bring nothing to the table. And the story's muddled and doesn't... It's, it's like they, they read the source material and they just didn't have enough confidence in it. So they kind of made up all this weird stuff. Yet the stuff they completely made up from nothing is, like, really great sci-fi TV. So I'm going to try to finish it up this week and give a proper review because I really should, you know, wait till I finish the series. But um, what else am I watching? There's something else I wanted to add in. Uh, besides Christmas movies and TV shows. Uh, oh, I started Seth Rogen's um, animated uh, Santa Inc. Not a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious to hear if anybody else caught that, but it's like, I'm so, I want new holiday material because the old stuffs get, you know, kind of worn to death every year. But uh, so I was hoping this would be like a really fun new addition. And it's just, it's just not great. Didn't hit right? No. No. If you want to follow me, Emilia, you can follow me on Twitter, at EmiliaU. And I have continued to watch Grey's Anatomy. It's it's not good. It's not good anymore. <laughs> Wait, what season you've are you hit, in You've hit the threshold. I think I'm on, like, season 15. <laughs> oh, yeah, this I mean, is... Yeah, you're in the rough, rough of it. It's your own. Nobody could fault you for putting in a real effort on this one. Oh, someone could fault you for putting in a real effort. There are other shows out there. <laughs> like, like what? What shows? Pray tell. Hmm. Have you heard of Daredevil? As someone who's seen every single episode of Grey's Anatomy, as painful as it is, and as painful as it continues to be when it's still on air, once you just you're in too deep, you have you to can't finish it. stop. You, you, I... You're just you can't watch all of that content. And then just drop off. You have to say no. 
No, you have to finish it. Put it down like a rabid dog. It's, there's a term for this. It's called law of diminishing returns. It's called the sunk cost fallacy. You just have to yes. finish it. I was an econ major, and I fully understand it. But <laughs> no, it has to. Um, it, just, it needs to end. That show needs to end. Just hear my plea. Hear Emily's plea. Just release us, okay? Let us go free. Let Ellen Pompeo go home with her millions, possibly billions of dollars. Please, just let it happen. Ugh, you only can kill so many more people off that show. Ellen Pompeo just so clearly others. does not really want to be on the show anymore. I can tell it's only, she's not even the latest season. She is not. She's calling it in. <laughs> um, phoning it in. But, okay, the other thing that I watched, have you guys seen this movie, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home? <laughs> Yay! Yes, <laughs> I'm finally caught up there. There's a lot that I um, that makes more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Just in time for next week's episode. Yes. Yeah. And finally, <clears throat> I've also continued to watch. Uh, sorry, continue to read uh, Junji Ito's Uzumaki, which I mentioned like what feels like years ago now. And <laughs> during a new segment, they're creating an anime of it on Cartoon Network sometime next year. And so I am planning to be prepared for that. And it is a weird read. It is some weird, crazy body horror, but I'm really into it. I must compliment you, Emilia. What a perfect addition to a segment called What Are You Watching? <laughs> well, okay, it is a manga. So it's like I'm watching the panels, you know? She's using her eyeballs. Uh, and if you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at random underscore white guy and... I don't know if anybody noticed. Lucas, I told you about this. Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe Revelations Part 2 came out that. last week. And I've been, I binged that the minute it came out. I could not take my eyeballs or earballs away from it. It was masterfully done. I love it. Um, I kind of prefer the first half of it more, but I'm I'm, I'm bored with you. I haven't finished yet, but it's it, honestly, it's like it's taking a kid's show and making it for adult like it's treating it with so much reverence and respect is pretty awesome no and and someone ought to go to the medical bay and get norm some q-tips <laughs> for his earballs the reason why i say earballs is because the vocal mix that they do for savage he-man was actually really really good i loved it dude savage he-man was i mean that's the we will go into it on, on its own segment briefly again or something, but, but what they, they where they go with this series, I never would have guessed in a million years, no. and it's really cool. No, I loved it. Uh, I can't say enough nice things about it. Props to Kevin Smith and every single person who helped this Netflix show uh, be what it is. I, I I tweeted this. I would have been happy if the show was over un, until that very very final scene. If you haven't gotten there, Lucas, yet, I don't want to. Um, I haven't gotten there. No. I don't. I don't want to spoil it. But the the final scene makes me think that there's definitely going to be a part three, and now makes me need a part three. But if they wouldn't mm, have had okay. that in, I would have been completely satisfied, and everything could have been done. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun, Norm. You can follow me on Twitter. This is Cronsworth, by the way, at Cronsworth with a K. That's Cronsworth with a K. I am watching season three of Lost in Space. It's on Netflix. It's a modern spin on a classic TV series from the late 1960s. But a family who's lost in space. And the charming robot who saves their bums from their inevitable demise. They take some liberties on the original, which I quite liked. Especially the casting of Parker Posey. And let's not forget Molly Parker and Taylor Russell, who are also quite good. 
But of course, the standout of the series is our hero, the robot. When we first meet him, he's doing his thing, killing humans. Haha, <laughs> so much fun. He's come a long way from the days of Danger, Will Robinson, danger! Please excuse my impersonation. There's a lot of action, thrilling moments, and a touch of family drama. I watched the pilot and I didn't like it, Cronsworth. So you're saying I should stick with it, though? I was, I, I, I was just tepid on it. I didn't like. I didn't hate it. I just didn't really get captured by it. I mean, I love her, but is she the villain in it? It doesn't really have a very strong plot, but the weekly adventures are a lot of fun. And Parker Posey's take on Doctor Zachary Smith is worth your time alone. Yeah. <laughs> She's very funny. I love some of her moments with the family. She acts like, oh, I'm on your side, trust me. And then she stabs them right in the back. Oh, brilliant. Oh, yes, I'd like to follow up on a show I mentioned weeks ago, Only Murders in the Building on Hulu. If you have not watched it, it is well worth your time. Steve Martin, oh, Selena yeah. Gomez, and Martin Short are three podcasters trying to solve a murder in the building. Martin Short is so entertaining in that. He really is. The premise alone of murders and a podcast gives me the chills. And that's what I'm watching. Not reading. <laughs> watching. And finally, there's our producer, Stephen Prusikowski. Uh, and we last saw him playing with some pin particles, and I, I thought he was just here. Guys, have you seen him? I anyway. Have I've been on. I've that not. speck of dust over there looks surprisingly animated, but... Oh, really? Let me go step on it. <laughs> so, he can be found on Twitter and on Letterboxd as at Filmsnork. Ah, there's our darn music. Well, thanks for listening. Keep sending in those questions and comments on our Twitter page at TheVerseCast, and we'll see you next time in The Verse. The Verse is presented by ScreenRadar.com and produced by Stephen Kruzikowski. For this segment, I asked the first squad two simple questions. What is your favorite Christmas song? And what is your least favorite Christmas song? Let's hear the results. Norm, what's your favorite Christmas song? What's my favorite traditional Christmas song? Uh, not Who in the hell said traditional? No contest here. My favorite traditional Christmas song is Little Drummer Boy. Uh... It, for me, it's a tearjerker, so I've always loved it, and it reminds me of my grandmother a lot that I miss heavily, more so on holidays. Now, what's your least favorite Christmas song? And I didn't say traditional. My least favorite Christmas song? Wow, this is so... There's a lot of bad ones out there, but the one I think is actually the worst, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to catch some heat on this, is... Paul McCarthy's simply having a wonderful Christmas time. It is bad. Like, even for, I think it was made in the 80s. I'm not 100% sure. But, man, that's just such a bad song in general, let alone a Christmas song. It's really, really bad. I like the use of the Casio keyboard. It reminds me of home. Oh, my favorite non-traditional Christmas song. Are you hearing voices in your head? What are you talking about? Ooh. So many, so many good ones out there. But uh, I'm going to go with something newer, something a little bit more 
modern. This is definitely up there. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's one of my favorites for sure of the non-traditional ones. And that is uh, Faith Hill's uh, Where Are You Christmas from The uh, the Grinch, uh, Who Stole Christmas, the movie with uh, Jim Carrey, the live-action one, uh, which isn't my favorite Grinch by any means, but I did like that song. I think it's a, I think it's a really good song. Thank you, Norm, and please see an exorcist. Emilia, when you're ready, please start with your favorite Christmas songs and then follow up with your least favorite Christmas songs. Go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to answer about worst Christmas songs first because there's... Does anybody follow directions anymore? Anyone? There's a lot of them, unfortunately, but I'll, I'll just name I'll just name a couple. I think the undisputed winner of this has to be the Chipmunk song, and I would like to hear Norm corroborate this, please. Uh, another another one that I really just, I have to bring up is, uh, I love Paul McCartney, you know, best Beatle by far, but, uh, wonderful Christmas time is God awful. Like I'm, I'm sorry, Paul, that sucks. Um, and finally honorable mention for I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus, just cause I think that's like kind of a weird and gross song. I don't know. I just don't like it when children sing songs. It's not, it's like, we shouldn't do that. As far as favorite, like kind of traditional Christmas song, this song gets a lot of hate during the Christmas season, but I really enjoy Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. I know it gets overplayed a ton, but, you know, it kind of deserves to. I mean, not as – if it gets overplayed, like, you know, take it up with the radio companies or whatever. Um, and then as far as some of my favorite lesser-known songs, I really like Wolfpack's Christmas in L.A., and it's up to you to decide, you know, is it a Christmas song? Is it this summer's smash hit? I mean... It's the debate of the year. I think it's both. Um, and also Donny Hathaway's This Christmas. That might be considered like a more traditional one. I'm not really sure what the definition of that is anymore. But um, either way, I wanted to mention it because it's one of my favorites. On to Bridget. Same questions. Favorite and least favorite Christmas songs. And please stick to the questions. So I know that we're covering, you know, like best, worst, most underrated Christmas songs. But I think first we need to mention that uh, when is the appropriate time to begin listening to these songs in the first place? It seems like I've lost all control of this segment. Uh, and let me just tell you, Christmas music gets overrated really quickly, really, really quickly. So I personally have to save it till until December 1st. Okay, before that, it's just absolutely unacceptable. These people who start it the day after Halloween, y'all just need to chill. But anyways, I would say my favorite Christmas song, which is just a classic, would have to be White Christmas by Bing Crosby, because also White Christmas is definitely my favorite Christmas movie. Uh, it's just very nostalgic. I love that song. I could listen to it all day long. And then my second favorite Christmas song is definitely Feliz Navidad. Now, the original version, yes, but also uh, Micah Buble does a version oh, with Talia, and it's a duet, and it's incredible, but also like any Christmas song that Micah Buble sings is impeccable. Uh, the Christmas gods came down, they touched Micah Buble's vocal cords, and they said, you will only sing Christmas music and serenade the world for years and years to come on Christmas. Some find Micah Buble's work to be a blessing. Others a curse. I side with the latter. And I think next to Baby Jesus, Mike Bublé might be like 
the most known figure around Christmas time. Hot take. Bridget, I'm sorry to say, but you may need to get off the ship a bit more often. Any other favorites? You seem to have a list. Okay. Uh, also, love the Chipmunk Christmas song. So, Emilia, I'm not really sure where you're coming from on that. That's a classic. Uh, I don't know if there's any that I don't like. But underrated, I would have to say Silver Bells is amazing. You know, from Rudolph. Classic. And also... Walking in a Winter Wonderland is probably my go-to Christmas shower song. So, yeah, those have been my hot takes for Christmas music. If I think of one I don't like, I'll have to get back to you guys because I don't know. But I do agree that Emilia, though, that I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus is a bit creepy. And I didn't actually fully understand that song. I'm 22 until last year when I was 21. And I finally realized that she wasn't actually kissing Santa. She was kissing her husband, who might have been dressed up as Santa. Now that's a shocking revelation. Most people don't decipher those cryptic lyrics until much later in life. You're a genius. All right, time for Lucas. Lucas, what's your favorite Christmas song? Favorite traditional Christmas song? Uh, that's not what I asked. Just go ahead. That one's difficult because it's down to two. White Christmas and Let It Snow, but I think Let It Snow edges out White Christmas because it's featured at the end of Die Hard, and you always ring in the holiday time and Christmas time with a great Christmas movie called Die Hard. Not a Christmas movie. Continue. And once Hans Gruber falls off the Nakatomi Plaza, we know that Christmas time has begun. Cue... Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Thank you for the wonderful singing and the spoiler warning. Ugh. As for my favorite untraditional Christmas song... Yes, go ahead. Answer that question I did not ask. I would say Merry Christmas by the Ramones or Merry Christmas, I don't want to fight tonight. I love that song because it was one of the first tapes I ever bought which was Brain Drain. Pet Cemetery was on that same album. And yes, I adore that song. As for my least favorite Christmas song, I feel like this one's super obvious. 12 Days of Christmas is hot garbage. It's just the same thing over and over again. And as a kid, they always made you sing this stuff in school, in the choir, whatever, and it isn't garbage song. There's nothing good about that song. Over and over again. Just like the squad, not following directions. Thank you for your answers, and to all, a good night. Ho, ho, ho.